If you have your Bible, please turn with me to Psalm chapter 23. Uh, we're continuing our summer series that we began last week in this very famous Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. Today we're looking at verses 1 to 3 in a sermon I've entitled, The Shepherd. And so would you at this time, as your act of worship, stand for we read and we receive God's holy and life-giving word, for it is truly a gift given to us. Hear now the reading of God's word from Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Would you join me in prayer once more? Father, take this psalm and make it our psalm. Take the song of David and make it our song. Take the melody of these verses and make it the melody of our lives. And in all these ways, prove yourselves to be our good shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you look at your Bibles uh, and even here on the screen above, Psalm 23 begins with a subscript, right? The very small letters here, a Psalm of David. Now that means David is the author of the Psalm. And to understand Psalm 23, you really need to understand two things about David. Uh, The first many of you know, and that is David is the greatest and most beloved king in all Israel's history. But before David was anointed as a king, you have to know David was a shepherd boy. And that was, that's the second thing you must know about David. As the youngest of eight sons, he tended his father's sheep while his older brothers were out at war in Israel's army fighting the Philistines. Now that's important to know because while they were out at war, David was tending the sheep. Meaning that in David's preparation to be king, that he didn't develop his kingly character from the battlefield, but out on the grassy fields. That David was formed to be the king that God wanted him to be after his own heart, not by fighting his enemies, but by feeding his sheep. And therefore, David's reign wasn't marked with the heavy hand of a tyrant, but David's reign was marked with the tender care of a shepherd. Now, when David is writing Psalm 23, most scholars posit that he was uh, later on in his life. And so he's looking back on his life and he's thinking about all the ways in which God's hand has has been at work in his life. And he chooses to use the metaphor of a shepherd. Now, this is important because David has been both a shepherd and a king. He knows, the ro- he knows the roles, he knows the responsibilities of both. And so when he's thinking about God's work in his life, he chooses to say, the Lord is my shepherd, not the Lord is my king. He chooses the shepherding metaphor to describe and understand his life. The question is, as you look back on your life and God's hand, God's uh, work in your life, How do you understand God? Now, you know, the way most Christians have been discipled, the way we've been taught, uh, we've been trained really to answer two very fundamental uh, questions in the Christian life. And the first question is, uh, do you believe I am a sinner? And do you believe uh, Jesus is my savior? Two very important questions. All of Christian teaching kind of revolves around those two things. They're very important that you can know how to answer them. But I want to ask you two other questions, questions that we get from Psalm 23, which is this. Can you say this? Do do, do I believe I am a sheep? And do I believe Jesus is my shepherd? You see, that first set of questions, 
Am I a sinner and is Jesus my savior? That's all about how to become a Christian. But the metaphor of am I a sheep and is Jesus my shepherd is all about how to live as a Christian. Sinner savior is about becoming a Christian. Sheep shepherd is about living as a Christian. Are you living your Christian life under the shepherding tender love and care of our good shepherd? And so today's gospel truth, as we look at these first three verses, is pretty simple. Jesus is the good shepherd who provides and protects his sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who provides and protects his sheep. So as we look at this, the first thing we need to consider is, what does this psalm say about ourselves? And according to Psalm 23, the only way that you will ever confess the Lord is my shepherd is if you first confess and acknowledge I am sheep. Now, from a biblical perspective, confessing you're a sheep is not a flattering thing to say about yourself. In fact, to say I am a sheep is an admission of helplessness and weakness. You see, Just in the same way as you can't accept God as Savior unless you first admit you're a sinner, you can't accept God as shepherd unless you first admit you are a sheep. But here's the thing about sheep. If you know anything about the Bible or about shepherding, sheep are incredibly vulnerable. Sheep are blind. Sheep are dumb. And over the millennia, 3,000 years since David wrote this psalm, they have not evolved in their intelligence. They are the same creatures today as they were when David was shepherding them out in the field. You know, to prove this point, uh, BBC in 2005, July of 2005, so almost exactly 15 years ago, had this headline on their website, Turkish sheep die in mass jump. And what happened was that in Istanbul, Turkey, there were a bunch of shepherds and they left their sheep to graze in the field while they went and had breakfast on their own. But unbeknownst to them, one lone sheep straight off wandered off. He fell off of a cliff and died. And in a matter of minutes, 1,500 sheep followed that sheep. And they also went over the cliff. 1,500. Amazingly, only 450 died. Because those 450 first that fell off created a cushion. (laughs) So that when the other 1,000 fell over, they were merely injured. Now, you hear a story like this, and you realize that it's not flattering to be called a sheep. Absolutely not. It's actually ego bruising, if you understand it. It's pride killing. It's humbling to the dust. But it's also necessary in order to confess, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, David knew exactly what he was talking about when he chose this metaphor. When we think of sheep, we think of Mary had a little lamb, a cute little lamb snuggling up against its mother for warmth. When David was writing Psalm 23, he knew exactly what the sheep were, stupid and stubborn. He was imagining and replaying all those sheep who were straying from him in the middle of the night and whom he had to go chase after before they ended up in dangerous situations. David knew exactly the tendencies of a sheep. In fact, I think that it's precisely because David knew the wandering and weak nature of the sheep that he then looked at his own heart, sensed the same wandering and weak nature and said, oh yeah, that's right. I am a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. And so the Bible isn't shy to constantly tell us and liken us to sheep as well. You know, the Bible sometimes is brutally honest. It's a little too honest. 
Because the Bible in comparing us to sheep is basically saying, you are, you, you are stupid and stubborn. You are straying and senseless. You are weak and wandering. And the Bible isn't so nice when it says this. It uses this metaphor over and over again. Look at Psalm 119. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant for I do not forget your commandments. Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Jesus says in Matthew 9, when we saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Think about that famous parable of lost sheep. Jesus says in Matthew 18, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And finally, Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You don't need to be a deep exegete and theologian to hear the common theme there. Sheep stray. Sheep are senseless. Sheep are stupid. They know no better. You see, God is saying, if you want to make Psalm 23 your psalm, you really want to live in its truths. If you want to say the Lord is your shepherd, you have to humble yourself and confess your own weakness. We don't like doing that. I want to imagine that before God, in his eyes, I am as cute as a puppy. I am as strong as a lion. I am as fierce as a tiger. I'm as wise as an old owl. But the scriptures are saying you are as pitiful and needy and defenseless and helpless as sheep. You know, we live in a world full of lions, bears, and tigers. And oh my. And in that world, strength and ego and self-sufficiency and pride and confidence, those things are prized. Nobody wants to be sheep. Nobody wants to admit weakness and neediness and helplessness. And we'd rather appear strong and self-sufficient and independent and autonomous. And you sense that in your own lives. Why don't you pray as much as you know you should? Because you only want to have to go to God when you really, really have to. You know, why don't we read the scriptures as much as we do? Because we believe we're wise and we want to find our own ways out of situations rather than turning quickly to God for his direction. You know, David says that you won't ever have God as your shepherd until you realize that you are a sheep, until you stop insisting that you are smarter and stronger than you think you are. And the, the, the reality is that, that the message of Psalm 23 is so contrary to the message of the world. Because the message of the world is a message of strength. The message of the world and all these self-help empowerment books is what? Be confident. Embrace positive thinking. Envision the future you want and then actualize your life to get there. The world says, don't let anybody tell you that you're a sheep. That, that's the language of organized religion that wants to keep you, you know, down and, and suppressed. You're not a sheep. You can be any animal that you set your mind to be. You know, 2015, the Super Bowl, some of you may remember it. I remember it. Not because I know what teams that played in it, because I remember the halftime show was Katy Perry coming out in a giant lion puppet. 1,600 pounds, 
16 feet tall, 26 feet long. And she came out in this very impressive opening, declaring and singing her hit song at the time, Roar, which really captured the spirit of the age, really the mantra of the generation. It was a, strong about, a song about strength. And so if you remember, you know, here's what she sang. I sang it in the first service. I'm not going to sing it for you guys. Um, I got the eye of the tiger, a fighter dancing through the fire because I am a champion and you're going to hear me roar louder, louder than a lion because I am a champion and you're going to hear me roar. Right, And this song, sung by youth all around the country, all around the world, is a declaration of my strength. I'm a fighter. You can't get me down. I'm not weak. I'm strong. But this song's message is the very opposite of the message of Psalm 23. Because one of these songs celebrates strength, and the other song celebrates weakness. One of these songs boasts in yourself, and the other song boasts in God. And the reality is we naturally gravitate toward one because we're more formed and fashioned by the message of the world than we realize. We naturally gravitate toward one and not the other. I mean, could you imagine what the 2015 Super Bowl halftime show would be like if a celebrity came out and they were riding on the smallest of donkeys and they sang this song, I got the need of a dumb sheep very weak, straying from the pasture, because I am so helpless, and you're gonna hear me bah. <laughs> quieter, quieter than a lamb, because I am so helpless, and you're gonna hear me bah. You know, already the song is so laughable. It is a joke. If anybody came out, people would laugh, and they would assume that this was a parody, that this was a joke. Why? Because nobody sings a song like this. And yet these lyrics, by the way, they're lyrics I made up, not Katy Perry, is so much closer to the truth of Psalm 23. The question in life is, it's which song are you making yours, the song of the world or the song of the week? Now keep this in mind, because we dislike weakness. It makes us feel small and powerless, unconfident, insecure, low self-esteem, but remember, who is writing this psalm? King David. You see, David was simultaneously able to compose this great song of the week while at the same time being the greatest king in Israel's history. How was he able to admit such weakness and yet at the same time rule with such power and authority? And it's because he received his confidence not from himself, but from the Lord. You see, Psalm 23, amongst the Psalms, is known to be a psalm of confidence. The thing is, it's just not confidence found in yourself. It's confidence derived from God. And the whole point of the psalm is to direct your eyes toward the Lord, the shepherd who comes and he covenants, he condescends, and he promises to be our strong and faithful shepherd. And so, yes, okay, it's difficult for me to admit my weakness and that I am a sheep and I'm helpless. But that doesn't make me one of pity, one who cannot do anything, but it actually gives me tremendous confidence and strength and hope and power. Why? Because I draw it from the Lord. And so what do we believe about our shepherd? Look at, with me at verse one again. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, if you notice in your Bibles, the Lord is capitalized, meaning that it's not the generic term, the Lord is in my master or, 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 or Lord is in someone just above you. The Lord is God's personal name. The name God revealed to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of the heavens. It's the Lord who is David's shepherd. The same Lord who led Israel out of Egypt defeated their enemies with the plagues and against the Red Sea. The same Lord who led Israel through the wilderness for 40 years, providing manna from heaven and water from the rock. The same Lord who led Israel into the promised land, defeated nations much bigger and greater than them and established their kingdom in that land. The Lord, David says, is my shepherd. The God of power and might and majesty, and authority. The one in whom the nations rest in his hands. But this Lord is not a shepherd. He is not the shepherd. David says the Lord is my shepherd. Meaning I belong to him and he belongs to me. This is covenantal, relational, personal, personal, intimate language. You remember back in Exodus, the language of the covenant was, I will be your God and you will be my people. But the language of Psalm 23 is, I will be your shepherd and you will be my sheep. You see, it's the Lord Almighty, the great I am who offers himself to be your shepherd. Now I get it. It's difficult to admit I'm a sheep because it's humbling and it's humiliating but it's easy to admit I'm his sheep. Because once we recognize that we're his, then it's no longer humbling and humiliating. It's now an honor. I belong to the Lord. I am his. He is mine. Now, because the Lord is David's shepherd, the psalmist then immediately confesses, I shall not want. This means I will not lack anything that I need. I will not lack anything that is essential to my life. But there are two things that this doesn't mean. First, it doesn't mean that I will get everything I want and desire. Second, it doesn't mean I'll get everything I think I need. You see, usually the division is drawn there. Oh, you won't get everything that you want and desire, but you'll get everything you need. I'm saying, I don't think the psalm is saying that. I think it's saying you're not going to get everything you want and desire, and you're not going to get everything you think you need. Because when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, our, our tendency is to interpret this, right? As you hear this, what do you imagine? You're thinking David's saying something like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, means that God will meet every need of mine. We read this as a promise of future provision. I don't need to worry about tomorrow because the Lord is going to meet every, every need I have. I shall not want. But what if that's not what David is saying? What if David is saying something much closer to this? The Lord is my shepherd and therefore he has already met every need of mine. What if David isn't talking about a future promise of he will meet when I'm in a time of need, but meaning that there is a present certainty Because the Lord is my shepherd, he has met every need of mine. Because what is your greatest need? 
It's the need of God himself. How could David say such a thing? Because if you have God as your shepherd, you really have everything you need. It's not only that you shall not want, it's you are not in want. So David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd and that's enough for me. The question is, is he enough for you? The question is, are you living your Christian life saying, the Lord is my shepherd, but you still feel like there are so many things that you need? Is the Lord not enough? Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, once wrote, I may not possess all that I wish for, but I shall not want. I have all things and more, not because I have a good store of money in the bank, not because I have skill and wit with which to win my bread, but because the Lord is my shepherd. Are you a sinner? I think many of you would say yes. Is Jesus your savior? I hope many of you would say yes. The real question is, are you a sheep? And is the Lord your shepherd? Are you living your life that way? Are you saying, I shall not want? You see, because to have the Lord as your shepherd means that you have his care, you have his concern, you have his protection, you have his provision. You know, we're saying that the verse one, right? We're spending so much time in verse one because it is really the heartbeat of the psalm. You know, I, I challenged you guys last week to memorize Psalm 23. It's six verses long. And, you know, some of you have told me, you know, I have such an awful memory. You know, I, I can't memorize anything. Some of you say, you know, at my age, you know, I, I can't even remember my children's name. Some of you still use a GPS to get to church. It's fine. You have bad memory. I get it. But friends, if you can remember the Lord is my shepherd, then you have the heartbeat of Psalm 23 memorized. You know, there was this little girl who was in Sunday school class and the class was called on to give a presentation before the church. And so every student in that Sunday school class was assigned a passage of scripture and they were called to memorize it. And then the day of the presentation, they would stand before the congregation and recite what they had. And this little girl was assigned Psalm 23. But unfortunately for her, she had an awful memory. And so she was trying and trying, but it was so difficult. None of it would stick. Well, the day of the uh presentation came and in a church much like this, the kids came up front and it was adorable. Every parent up there with, you know, cameras and iPads and, you know, taking pictures and capturing all of this. And each kid went up, they recited their uh, portion of scripture perfectly. And this little girl goes up and she's so nervous and she stands before them and she goes, the Lord is my shepherd. And then she blinks. She can't recall the next line. So she takes a breath she starts again. The Lord is my shepherd. It's still nothing. And at this point, feeling the embarrassment and not wanting to be embarrassed anymore, she raised her voice. She stomped her foot and said, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. And that's all I need to know. (laughs) Is the Lord your shepherd? And is that all you need to know? Is that all you need to know? You know, David's song continues because he's reflecting on the good shepherd. And he says, the good shepherd does two things for me. He offers me provision and protection. 
And we see this in verse two, where David then writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now you have to know a little something about sheep. You have to know that sheep are really skittish, anxious, nervous creatures by nature. And therefore sheep will never lie down unless they have two things, unless they're guaranteed two things. First, that they are safe from whatever danger is out there. Then they will lie down. And second, that they are satisfied in their stomachs with food and water. Sheep will only lie down when they're safe and satisfied. And so the good shepherd comes and he makes them lie down in green pastures, beside still water, satisfying their every need, restoring David's soul as the good shepherd, the one who protects. You know, those are the marks of a good shepherd. Now, if we're saying, is the Lord your shepherd? And the question really is this, I want you to reflect. In what ways do I sense the Lord's provision and the Lord's protection in my life? If he really is my shepherd, and this is what a good shepherd does, he makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. In what ways am I sensing the Lord's protection and the Lord's provision? And I think what we're tempted to do uh, is that we look at our present circumstances, we look at our situation, and we say, okay, well, let's see what God has done for me recently. How has he been protecting me? How has he been providing for me? And that's a very dangerous thing to do because although in one sense, if the Lord is doing those things presently, then you'll say, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. But if you look around and you are in danger, your reputation is at stake. You know, you, you, you may be not be able to make the rent and you're going to get evicted. Or he doesn't seem to be providing for you. You feel alone. You've been praying for opportunities, praying for relationships. You've been praying for all these things. If you look around, you sense none of them, then your conclusion will be the Lord is not my shepherd because he's not providing, he's not protecting. So as a Christian, when we understand God's shepherding love and care, we don't merely look at the present circumstances around us. We must look at his ultimate display of shepherding care for you and me. And that means we look not only to our present circumstances, but we look to the past cross. You see, because from David, we get the gift of Psalm 23, but from David, we get a greater gift. Because in the line and lineage of David came the embodiment of this shepherd. 1,000 years later, a king in the line of David, one we call a greater and better Davidic king. He came to this world and he said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, God didn't leave his shepherding care abstract and impersonal. That he came down as one of us. And Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, why was that necessary? Why did Jesus need to do that? And the reality is because as sheep, you and I stray. We stray off cliffs, cliffs of temptation and cliffs of following our own desires and cliffs of seeking our own will, cliffs of building our own kingdom. And we stray and we stray and we wander and we wander and we're weak and hurt and helpless. And even then we often refuse the shepherding care of God. We say, I'm going to find my own green pastures through career, romantic fulfillment, through success. 
through position and promotion. I'm going to lead myself beside still waters and satisfy myself with the drink of this world. We try to secure our own arrest. We try to restore our own souls. And what's happening in our lives is that we are working so hard for that which Jesus already offers so freely. And in the midst of that, the rest and the refuge we're really seeking for, we will miss. You will never be safe on your own. You will never be satisfied on your own, not until you have Jesus as your good shepherd. And he does his work by laying down his life. He, he came to do a work that you yourself could not do. You know, as a good shepherd, we said he, he provides and he protects. Well, how did he do that? Well, in his provision, he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice, blameless, innocent, without blemish, in your place to forgive your sins and to restore you to the Father. Satisfaction. I'm restored in my soul to my God. Then Jesus comes and he offers you protection. He goes to the cross and he shields you from the holy, just wrath and anger of God by taking on himself sin's curse and the sting of death. And he protects you so that then when we die, the gates are opened and we are welcomed in. He provides us safety. And Jesus does his things he does this for us and, and he says, you know, I will give you the rest and the restoration that you're looking for because as your good shepherd in me, you shall never want. He says this, I, I know your heart. I, I know that you are longing for green pastures and still waters. I know that you're looking. I know that you're searching. But let me tell you this, Jesus says, green pastures and still waters are not a place that I take you. Green pastures and still waters are a person so come to me. So Jesus says, you can lay down your head and rest because I lay down my life. Now everything that you are looking for, I've become. Friends, do you have Jesus as your good shepherd? Do you know him? Do you walk with him? Let me close with this. Um, there was a group of friends gathered for a dinner party. And one of the friends was a well-known, celebrated uh, actor who was known to memorize uh, uh, extended monologues and soliloquies and deliver them very movingly. And at this dinner party, after dinner, um, he began taking requests from his friends and he would enact these things out to much cheer and applause. Uh, and after a while, uh, one of his friends, an older gentleman who had been a Christian for uh, many years, requested the actor to recite Psalm 23. And the man was delighted. He loved Psalm 23. So he took a Bible, he turned to the passage and he delivered Psalm 23 in the most powerful and uh, perfect way that you could ever imagine. And everyone stood up and they applauded because it was such a great performance. And to keep the fun of the party going, he then asked his friend, well, why don't you recite Psalm 23? And the man was a bit shy. He was a bit hesitant, but he stood up and in his raspy, harsh voice. He recited Psalm 23 from memory. And yet he was not met with the same applause and the same cheer. There was dead silence. And people began weeping. And after a few moments of reflection, the actor stood up and he said, friends, 
do you know what the difference was between his performance and mine? I know the psalm, but that man knows the shepherd. See, there's a difference between knowing the psalm very well and knowing the shepherd very well. We could spend as many weeks as there are in the rest of the year dissecting, analyzing Psalm 23. But Psalm 23 is not something to analyze. It's something to appropriate. We take it on. The Lord is my shepherd. He does one better than leading me to green pastures and still waters. He becomes the green pastures that I lay in, the still waters from which I drink. I hope my prayer for you, friends, is that we walk with, we know, we lean on, we rest, and we trust in Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Pray with me.